It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden and to bring a little happiness into your life, too. If you are not happy when you're in your landscape or on your lawn or messing with your plants, then maybe you have too much lawn or too much landscape. you got to be happy. you got to wave at people as they go around your neighborhood. That's what I do. I have a cul-de-sac, about 20, 25, I guess, houses on the cul-de-sac. I know everybody's car when they're coming around the curve. I can see them. I wave to them. We all wave to each other. That's what you're supposed to do when you're a gardener. Wave at your neighbors. Make sure they know that you are out doing things and they can do the same. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Diane is in Covington out in the wilds of Newton County, and she joins us right now. Hey, Diane. Hey. Hey, what's up? I have a question about my cactus, which blooms anytime from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day. Sure, sure. And this year it does not have a single bloom, a bud on it. Ooh. I had it out this summer outside Good. I brought it in it sits in the same place it gets the same light but not a single bud it is the mystery and joy of gardening for plants <laughs> to do things that totally mystify you sometimes other than light there's not much else that causes a Christmas cactus not to have buds or Thanksgiving cactus or Easter cactus or whichever one you have maybe Groundhog Day cactus that you have so um you know, I can't. I don't have any magic formula that'll make it have buds right now. If it doesn't at this point, it's probably not going to bloom for you, unless maybe it's hiding little bitty buds at the end, and it's one of the later cacti that'll bloom next Easter. So I don't know, Diane. It's going to have well, nice you foliage. Told a lady and earlier, not to fertilize, and I was about to fertilize, uh-huh. hoping that that would maybe bring it along by, uh, as you say. Not now. Know. Not without a lot more life than you have right now. Fertilizing in the spring when you put it outside is the right time to do it. Maybe one more time in the summer, maybe. But at this point, I don't think you can do anything other than enjoy the green foliage. I guess I'll just toss it and buy a new one. No, we don't toss it. Come on, Diane. We don't toss our plants. We do something creative with them. We tie little bows on red bows on all the leaves and branches and say, look what I have, a bow-tied Christmas cactus. There it is. Put Santa Claus in the middle of it. Come on, let's do something with it. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Diane. Bye-bye. It's 8.09. We've got David to join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? Uh, quick question and a longer question. Uh, are all lantanas perennials? That's a short one. No, but I will tell you something that I want you to do, David. You live in Tucker, so you're not too far from Toco Hill. Go over to Toco Hill where the shoe store is. The shoe store is right there by the little French restaurant. There mm-hmm. is a big, wide, low planter filled with what I am told is a perennial lantana, yellow flowering, that is more of a ground cover than it is a shrub lantana and so i went to look at it uh, five six days ago i guess now and it's been there for three years at the very least somebody says four years it's been there so i'm thinking this is a perennial lantana beyond miss huff which is always just about going to be a perennial but this is uh uh, yellow 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 sunset yellow something or other i've forgotten the name now but that is a perennial lantana there not the miss huff that we all know of as being pretty perennial 
there's there's a golden blossom thing that's still in the store I know, uh-huh. and neither the guy selling it or I know if it's actually a perennial or not. And the only one way to find out that's to buy it and put it in the garden and see next spring. I see. Mm-hmm. Costs uh, a little the, money. Costs a little money to do it, David. The other is, uh, I think there are a few of my lately purchased plants that are not going to get in the ground before the freeze hits Sunday night. Yeah. What do I need to do to... Uh, to safeguard them because they'll be right up against uh, the garage door. I know it needs to be near the house, uh, but you're talking about a uh, rose bush or two and yeah. a Russian sedge or two and a, a butterfly bush. It's not going to get cold enough to, to harm them at all. Put them if you want to, just put them next to the side of the house, next to the garage or someplace where they're a little bit sheltered. But with temperatures in the low 30s, even the high 20s, there's not any damage to the root system of those plants. And I don't think you need to do anything. If it were 15 degrees, okay, we worry about 15 degrees, but when it's in the high 20s and above, no big damage at all. Okay, thank you, sir. Nothing to it. Get to planting, David. We'll see you soon. All right. 11 minutes, 12 minutes. It is past the hour. Our number 404-872-0750. Clyde joins us with another hydrangea question this morning. Hey, Clyde. Good morning. Hey, Walter. This is uh, Clyde. I'm a long-time listener. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got some hydrangea bushes. got three of them. It's lost all uh, from the store the other day the lady gave them to me but wow. uh they've lost all their uh, uh leaves and the uh, um blooms on them yeah and so wondering if i put them in the ground now with the the winter kill them or should i just leave them in the pot and plant them in the spring so you said the lady gave them to you was this at a nursery or a florist shop or where what where did you get them okay uh from a nursery or from a floral shop Shop at Kroger. Okay. The florist hydrangeas are, generally speaking, not quite as winter winter hardy or cold hardy as the landscape hydrangeas are. So I would go ahead and plant them. Honestly, if I were were you, Clyde, I'd go ahead and plant them, but make sure they get a little bit of shelter from something. So they're from a wall, from side of a house, something, a fence maybe, so they don't get the sustained blast of cold weather in the wintertime because a lot of those florist type hydrangeas get the buds frozen off of them, the flower buds get frozen off and they get you know cold damage just about every year and they might bloom one year out of five maybe so if you want to play if you have them i'd go ahead and plant them to answer your question i'd go ahead and plant them yes but it needs to be somewhere that's sheltered and you'll get flowers sporadically every year you might get some and other years you might not get anything well, uh, the, the thing is, I, I'm not planting them up against a wall or anything. Mm-hmm. Bed that I've made, and, and could I just cover them good with leaves? Uh, you're going to get some stem rot and damage from that, too. The I'll, the one that I use for an example is the one that we gave my mother for Mother's Day back in 2004, 2005, I think. So 10 years ago. And it was a florist hydrangea. It was really pretty. Big, big, big blue flowers. My mother loved it. And we planted it outdoors next to the patio that day. And as I've described to you, it's bloomed maybe two, three times maybe in those 10 years. So, you know, it has nice foliage on it every year. It has pretty green leaves on it. So we've got a plant with leaves all the time and a plant with flowers some of the time. You decide what you want. Okay. Uh, All right. Thank you. Hi. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. Fourteen minutes past the hour. Slater in Canton, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Slater. Good morning. Yes, sir, Walter. Uh, I have a question for you about uh, avocados. Oh, sure. My wife and I 
we love to eat avocados, and I've been trying to get my six-year-old daughter interested in uh, gardening. So right. every time we eat an avocado, I, I, we, me and my daughter, we take the seed outside, and we just haphazardly push them down into the flower pots awesome. that are on my back porch. Yeah, great idea, Slater. Well, now I've got these trees coming up. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things happen when you don't expect them to. So you got an avocado tree coming up. Oh man, how tall is it now, Slater? It is probably uh, probably sixteen inches tall. Good. All right, it's still small, so you can bring it's it in the house. Small. Doesn't doesn't matter with anything. You're going to have to dig them up. They're not going to withstand cold in the wintertime. They're going to be dead if you leave them outside or leave any that are sprouted outside. So, um, honestly, I think what I do is get a uh, get a shovel, dig it up, and my inclination here is to say, go ahead and shake as much dirt off the roots as you can, and use potting soil as you pot it into or plant it into a. A uh, 10-inch pot would be about right, I guess, 10 to maybe 12-inch okay. pot. And uh, plant it so that the, the sprout that's at the top comes out and is, uh, you know how the avocado, I'm holding my hands in front of the microphone so you can see very clearly what I'm talking about. But <laughs> when you plant it in the pot, I want part of the avocado seed exposed. I want the upper third, maybe, of the avocado seed exposed above the potting soil with the sprout coming out of that crack that it opened up oh. when, it, when it sprouted initially. So uh, as long as the avocado seed is exposed a little bit and you put it into the potting soil, you put it into a sunny room, sunny window in the house, it should do fine in the house. But at 16 inches, this is the perfect time to tell your daughter to do one thing that's going to make all the difference in the world of how attractive the avocado eventually is, and that is to take the thumbnail and forefinger of one hand and pinch out the growing tip right at the top of that avocado sprout that's 16 inches tall, the little growing tip. Pinch it out. With your with your fingernail, and that will cause it to re-sprout below that point and make limbs that go out to the side, and it looks so much better in a couple of years than it does if you don't pinch out the top. Wow, I never would have known that. Thank you. Yeah, it, uh, I'll tell you what. A lot of people have learned is that if you don't pinch out the top, eventually, a couple of years from now, it'll have a straight, strong trunk about three feet high with five leaves at the top of it, looking like a sort of scrawny umbrella. And nobody likes it. It looks ugly. But if you pinch out the limbs and the trunk when they're about 16, 10 to 16 inches um, long, then it looks more compact. It makes a very nice plant. Okay. Uh, last question about that. Do, after I go through that process, do I need to keep the, the pot inside the house at all times, or can I let it back out when it warms up again? Yeah, you can let it back out when it warms up next spring, but not in full, full blasting sun. Uh, right. If you had a part of the patio or the deck that shaded it up until, uh, that it has sun up until around noon or so, and then shaded the rest of the day, that'd be a good place for it. Awesome. Thank you, Walter. I really appreciate that. I was expecting a third question, Slater. The third question I was expecting was, well, will I get any avocados? From this I, avocado I really tree? honestly didn't expect to get any. Is it possible? <laughs> no. Okay. In one word, N-O, it ain't going to happen. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good day. Tell your daughter we said hey, Slater. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. It's 18 minutes past the hour. We'll be right back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. If you have any cold-sensitive plants left outside, you best bring them in. It's going to be chilly in the next couple of days. Today, the temperatures will go into the, let's call the mid-50s this afternoon. Overnight in the 
low 30s could get down to freezing in some places, so watch out for those plants. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Darlene is out in Oxford, Georgia, in Covington, near Covington anyway. Hey, Darlene, good morning. Good morning. I Uh, I just had a quick question about my gardenias. Yeah. I have a a big gardenia, large flower. It's a hedge. Mm -hmm. It's an old plant, and I always trim it back in the summer. But I cut it back because it's in front of a window. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, when's the best time to trim it back? When does it bloom specifically, Darlene? Um, midsummer. I'm going to call that one of the garden. There are four or five different species and varieties of gardenia that we see in landscapes around Atlanta. Some bloom in the late. Summertime, early fall, August Beauty is one one variety name. And there are others, uh, Climbs Hardy and Daisy, I think, that bloom for me sometime pretty early in May, it looks like, is when they bloom there. So the rule of thumb for pruning blooming plants is to prune right after they bloom. And so I'm going to say that yours are the latter, that they're the ones that bloom, bloom later in the year, then that you can wait, you can prune them now, is what I'm getting to. You can prune them now, and they'll have enough time in the spring to make bloom buds and then bloom for you normally in June or whenever they normally do for you. Uh-huh. So I think you're okay to prune now. If you had said, on the other hand, that yours usually bloom in early May, that's a little too close to the edge, and I would have said leave them alone until after they bloom in May. Okay. All right. Uh, and one other quick question. Uh, they get a lot of white flies on them. <sighs> yeah, the bane of gardenia, sure enough. <laughs> do I need to do anything? Does it hurt them? or? you got to be good. You can control white flies organically uh-huh. by using an oil spray. It's called horticultural oil. You go to a garden center and say, I need some horticultural oil. They'll have it for you. And you spray it under the leaves. This is so important. That's where all the eggs and things that are identified with white flies live. And so you have to be real good about spraying under the leaves. Do it once now and another time in spring when growth is just starting on them. And maybe another time in the middle of the summer. So organically, horticultural oil will work okay, but you've got to be really good about getting underneath the leaves. If you don't want to go the organic way, you can use a systemic insecticide, uh, the Bayer tree and shrub, the bonide systemic granules all work fine. You do that in the spring, sometime in March. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Good luck with your gardenias, Darlene. Uh, thanks, thanks for calling. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank it is you. 8.27. It's going to be Mickey Gazaway in just a few minutes to announce the Pike Pick of the Weekend, so we'll look forward to that. Right now, we'll be right back to the Lawn and Garden Show after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.36 at News Talk WSB, 46 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever you want to do in your lawn or landscape. One of the ways you become successful is knowing which nursery in town to trust. I trust Pike Nursery. I go there all the time. And Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery joins me this morning. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. So our job, as it is every week, is to say what the Pike pick of the weekend is going to be. Mickey somehow picks it out, and now this week, I'm sorry, Mickey, I talked over you. What is the Pike pick? This week it's Thanksgiving cactus. 
Thanksgiving cactus. I mean, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving poinsettias. I knew I was going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were. T- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's not Thanksgiving cactus. It's Thanksgiving poinsettias. It's a fine thing to have as a poinsettia for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Indeed, it is. And Ashley wants to know which is the right, right way to pronounce the plant. Is it poinsettia or poinsettia? What if do you you're say? In the south, you say poinsettia. That's exactly right. I think there's an I in there somewhere. <laughs> I told her that I pronounce it whichever way the winds are blowing that day. Might That's have an right. eye, might That's not exactly have an eye. Right. That's a good thing. So let's talk about poinsettias for just a minute, Mickey. I find that the worst thing you can do to that plant is to overwater it. So what do you say for care and culture of a poinsettia once you've once you bought it and brought it home? Well, now I water them, and I water them almost every day. Well, I think <laughs> that's okay the if they need it. Here. If they need it, yeah. but Because if you don't, what they start dropping those leaves. But you don't want them to stand in water, and I think yeah. that's what happens sometimes. You know, they come in these foil hats, and or else you put them in a pot, and you keep, and they stand in water, and then they really do rot. Yeah, really. that's what I was referring to. Is people yeah. just keep watering every day, and there's an inch of water in the bottom of the foil, and the plant gets root rot, and bye bye poinsettia. That's exactly right. So the poinsettias range in price. You have different sizes, different All colors, different, different sizes. Leaves. We've got some. I think they're four and a half inch, something like that. Uh-huh. And then we've got the larger ones. Um, they're all twenty percent off today. And um, the th- the all the Thanksgiving ones are twenty percent off today, and they're real pretty. They're uh, kind of an orange and a lighter orange. Yeah. they're real pretty. Are any of your poinsettias? Surely not, but I'll just check and make sure. Any of your poinsettias that are dyed or put sparkles on or anything? No, like that? not that I know of. I haven't seen any like that this year at all. Do you remember about five years ago yeah. that they were everywhere, and I just thought, "Whoa, those are ugly." Yeah, I thought so. I didn't want yeah. to say anything if Mike any, had them, so okay. We'll hope not. But yeah, they were. But we've got lots of different colors, and of course, I still love the red ones. Yeah. But um, we've got all different colors. We've got some real pretty pink ones, and we've got some white ones, and um, you know they're beautiful. But this week we're concentrating on the Thanksgiving ones, right. which are the the fall colors. You know, my mother, my mother has one that she got last Christmas. It's still sitting in the middle of the dining room table. Still has five or ten leaves on it. It's not the prettiest poinsettia in the world, but I'm just proud of her and the caretakers for keeping it watered. There it are is. They color- are they still colored? Two at the very top of the branch, yes, are still okay. red. The rest of them are green. Well, that's fun to watch. Anyway. Yeah, it's fun to know, fun to see how things sometimes behave if you don't give them the best of, of care. This one didn't go outside, so it didn't get any sunshine, direct sunshine during the, um, during the summer, but somehow it's got the leaves on it. Somebody's not watering it too much, and so uh, there it is. It'll still be there when I go down and see her next week. Good, yeah. good. So let's uh, outline again for what you do with a pike pick. Every pike pick that Mickey Gasway announces, you go to the cashier. After you've picked up your poinsettias at your local pike nursery, you go to the cashier. You say, this is Mickey Walter's pike pick of the weekend. Give me 20% off. And the cashier smiles and says, well, I'll be happy to. And they take 20% off, right? That's exactly right. Pretty much it. Any classes going on, Mickey? Uh, we've got one on cool season herbs. Good. And so cool season herbs would be what? Scallions? Um, uh, onion, parsley. Parsley. Rose, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosemary. Thyme. Sure, sure, sure. Now, our store, we don't have a lot right now. We've got lots of rosemary. 
So probably I'll be talking about more rosemary yeah. than anything else, but this is a great time for that. I saw a bunch at the Toco Hill store where I went the other day, and uh, so lots of pretty rosemary, topiary rosemary, Just squares and cubes. don't leave it inside too long. All that, yeah. We we'll won't take them outside, and they're an outdoor plant. They are. They need to be outdoors. They don't like the hot, dry. So, you know, you can use them on your table for a party or something, yeah, but yeah. they're much happier outside than they are inside. Well, Mickey, it's been great talking to you this you morning. Too. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving day. I and hope you do too. And Ashley told you about something about somebody. Oh, that's right. Our friend John, our friend John, who wanted to know about taking care of his uh, Lirio. Let me I get to that tell him. in just a minute. I'll do it in just a minute okay, after I ask that you. Sounds good. Where okay. would you look for all things Pike Nursery and where locations and everything else? At pikenursery.com. Of course. It's great talking to you, Mickey. Thank you. Roll Tide. Our friend John says, now what's happening with my Lyria? If the rabbits, the bunnies are eating the edges of the new growth of my Lyria, and I've tried everything, John says. I've tried all the repellents. None of them seem to work. I'm sure he's tried the Milorganite and the Deer Be Gone and the Rabbit Chaser and all the brand names, things like that. The only thing that John might not know about is the stuff that even I'm not positively sure that it'll work in every situation, but it's one that not a lot of people do know about. It's called Repel-X, and Repel-X is a, a little pill kind of thing you put in the ground underneath plants that are being browsed by deer, browsed by rabbits, and the Repel-X puts a capsaicin, the hot stuff, the hot taste, into the sap and leaves of the plant so that the next rabbit that comes along gets a real hot tongue as he, he or she munches on the lyrio. Again, I'm not positive that it works in every situation, but I've had people who live in Big Canoe, Deer City, you know what deer do in Big Canoe. They eat every flower and everything down below five feet on the trees. And she said for the first time she had hosta, she had daylilies, she had roses, she had all sorts of things because she put this Repel-X around the plant. I have not seen it yet on sale at Pike. In fact, I haven't seen it anywhere in Atlanta for sale. I got mine on Amazon. Honestly, I heard about it and uh, tried it, and then I don't have deer at my house, so I gave it to the lady at Big Canoe, and she said it was successful for her. So Repel-X, maybe. John, maybe. It might work. David, let's go to the phones. David's up in Calhoun, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? The wife has a 40-plus year split-leaf philodendron mm -hmm. in the largest pot that Pike sells. Wow. The main stems are three feet. Um, this thing takes up about about a six-foot square area. Yeah, yeah. And those long stems are laying over, so it takes up more room. Can I cut those back without hurting this puppy? Yeah, if you remove anything less than 25% of the leaves on this plant, it's not going to give a whit. It's not going to care at all. You can cut some of the limbs off, but just think, if I take this one and this one and that one over there, it's less than 25% of the total foliage, that's fine. The philodendron won't, won't care. Well, what about the main stem, though? That's my biggest concern. Well, again, it all depends on how much foliage is going to be removed if you cut that main stem. So cut it where you get 25% or less of the foliage removed. You're, you're in the clear zone. Okay, good. All right. And y'all agree on this. This is, your, this is your wife's prized philodendron. I don't want you doing it one day and making a mistake, having an agreement with each other as you cut you know, make some make some uh, plans together on this thing. I do not want you to take any blame for cutting. Mama's almost not falling You killed my mother. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Uh, she's she's sitting here beside me listening to you. So. <laughs> and you know how upset she would be if her philodendron fell into bad hands. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go for it, David. We'll <laughs> see you soon. <laughs> Thanks. 
44 minutes past the hour. Warren is in McDonough down in Henry County. Hey, Warren, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How can I help, Warren? Well, you already helped part of my question. I heard you answer the gardenia question yeah. earlier uh, about trimming it after, soon after it blooms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we've got one that's about six foot tall and is blocking my uh, wife's kitchen window, and I'm wondering how much should I take off of it. And uh, at the same time, we got some eight foot tall tea olives that yeah. are blooming again. And yeah. Can I trim them now, and how much should I take off them? I would have the same rule for uh, described with the gardenia. After they bloom, it's fine to cut them down or cut them at least 25. I think both of those shrubs could, <coughs> excuse me, could take 30 to 40 percent of the foliage total could be removed, and they won't won't be hurt. I don't think. Okay, so uh, if I if I take six foot by about thirty uh, percent, that's about uh, two feet. I think you'd be fine. No problem. All right, we're looking forward to because they're just lovely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I went by the Chick-fil-A in Fayetteville, as I do every Wednesday when I go down to see my mom, and they have a tea olive right beside the pickup window of the Chick-fil-A. It smells good every time I pass by, and I think about how nice that plant is. Tea olives, osmanthus, great plant. Oh, indeed. Thank you, Walter, and you have a happy Thanksgiving. Great talking to you, Warren. Thanks you. Right. Thank you. Thank you a lot. We've got uh, Marie in Kennesaw, Georgia, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Marie, hey, good morning. Gobble, gobble to you. Gobble, gobble, gobble back to you, Marie. What's up? Well, I'm going to keep this very short. I have a plethora of things, but I want to hit the priority. Chamber better. I I moved into the area with this yard um, just slightly over a year ago, so I've been here a little over more than one complete full season. Mm -hmm. And um, the backyard was supposedly partial fescue, but it was primarily invasive with nothing but chamber better. Front yard is Bermuda. Um, Could not control it. I did not know what it was initially. Once it was identified, I hired one of those companies Mm -hmm. and kept their services for over almost a year um, didn't make a dent and I did a little DIY but I'm still just I don't know what to do and I just don't have the budget to hire another company For people who are wondering what chamber bitter is, you know it because it looks like mimosa trees. The leaves look like a mimosa tree, so we call it mimosa weed sometimes. Chamber bitter is another name for it. It's kudzu on the kill. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very invasive plant, and it might take a couple of years for you to get it under somewhat control. But the pre-emergence don't do a great job. You could try pre-emergent twice in the year, once in um, March or April, another time in mid-May is about right, I guess, for that. Pre-emergence will give you about 50% control. The other one is just to get a broadleaf weed killer, the 2,4-D, the Weed Be Gone, the season-long weed control, things like that. And just spray according to the label directions. Don't overspray much, but spray according to label directions every six or so weeks during the summertime, and that'll kill a lot of it. And then the seeds that are in the ground, they'll sprout next year, and you'll have to spray them again. But every year you're sort of reducing the total population. Like I said, two years is probably what I, what you're looking at there. So basically, Marie, just uh, try your best. Keep after it. Pre-emergent if you care to do that. Certainly spot spraying is good, but two years is what you're looking at to control the uh, mimosa weed or gripe weed or chamber bitter, as it's sometimes known. It's 847, and we'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's not going to be terrible today overnight, or should say during the days, mid-50 temperatures. Overnight, colder, going down to the low to mid-30s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. One of the things that I discovered two or three years ago was a little written meditation, I guess you'd call it, uh, call it Gardner's Prayer, Gardner's Thanksgiving Prayer. I'll tell you more about it. I recorded it last night at home, and I'll let you listen to it right now and tell you a little bit more about it when it's finished. A Gardner's Thanksgiving. Let us give thanks for a bounty of people, for children who are our second planting, and though they grow like weeds and the wind too soon blows them away, May they forgive us for our cultivation and fondly remember where their roots are. For generous friends with hearts and smiles as bright as their blossoms. For feisty friends as tart as apples. Let us give thanks for continuous friends who, like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we've had them. For crotchety friends as sour as rhubarb and as indestructible. For handsome friends who are as gorgeous as eggplants and as elegant as a row of corn and the others, plain as potatoes, and about as good for you. Let us give thanks for funny friends who are as silly as Brussels sprouts and as amusing as Jerusalem artichokes, and serious friends as complex as cauliflowers and as intricate as onions. For friends as unpretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, as persistent as parsley, as delightful as dill, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you through the winter. For old friends nodding like sunflowers in the evening time, and young friends coming on fast as radishes. Let us give thanks for loving friends who wind around us like tendrils and hold us despite our blights and our wilts and our witherings. And finally, let us give thanks for those friends now gone, like gardens past that have been harvested, and who fed us in their time that we might have life thereafter. For all of these, we give thanks. Oh, man, I just love that. Such a great Thanksgiving gardener's prayer. It was written by a guy named Max Coots, Reverend Max Coots, I should say. He passed away in 2009. He had a long and full life. He was a minister emeritus of the Unitarian Universalist Church in Canton, New York. If you want to see that Thanksgiving prayer, maybe read it. It's your Thanksgiving celebration. Go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and just type in Thanksgiving. It'll bring it right up. I'm so thankful for Miss Ashley Frasca, for Mr. Scott and Max, for what a good job they do every Saturday morning. I appreciate that every time I come in. And I appreciate you too, my listeners. We'll see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden.